Hello, fellow humans. This is Nick, and welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. In our first episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I go over a big issue we face every day in our physical therapy clinic, and that's ankle mobility issues. We talk about why tight ankles are a big problem for the joints upstream, what causes our ankles to get tight, and some easy advice on restoring optimal ankle mobility. No sponsors for this one, so let's get right into it. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Three, two, one, and we're live. Hey everyone, Nick and Mike here from the Foot Collective. So let's start with a good question. Why is ankle mobility important? So why, you know, when you're talking to patients, what do you, how do you sell them on the fact that they should work on correcting their ankle mobility? Because it's a big undertaking and it's something that I think a lot of people realize to some extent that they have but how do you make it relevant to them yeah it's really i i used to not think of it as something that was that important but um until i realized the ankles are involved in literally every pattern you do that's on Mm -hmm. your feet so the big patterns that we look at are walking running Mm -hmm. squatting things like that going up and down the stairs walking is one of those funny patterns that everyone does every day and people underestimate i think how poorly they walk and it's you know it's like one thing to say okay you're walking wrong um but it's another thing to say okay but what what are the biggest elements that are limiting your 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 ability to walk like a normal human and i think ankles are one of those things that fly under the radar but are so crucial for everything upstream yeah if you don't have ankles that are actually moving well it's going to affect your gait pattern it's actually going to modify your gait pattern and you're going to have to you know if we want to get technical technical about it you're going to limit your amount of hip extension if you have tight ankles because you won't be able to follow through in your stride Mm -hmm. Uh, that's just going to change your your stride length the way you walk uh, and things like that and that's like that's everybody so that's not like hey it's not like you're an olympic lifter trying to squeak under a heavy snatch it's like no you're walking so that's everybody Mm -hmm. stairs are another one too so the biggest complaint I see with a lot of my patients is, um, you know, when do your knees hurt? And like, well, stairs. It's like the number one thing people say. True, yeah. Um, it's just going downstairs. Downstairs is always worse knees. than upstairs. And it's like, okay, what do you need downstairs? You need a lot of, you're basically doing a single leg squat as you go down from one step to the next mm-hmm. when you're on your foot there. So you need a lot of actual ankle range of motion. The more range of motion you have, the easier it is for you to get clearance so that knee can actually um, you know, track over your knee or over your ankle a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. And that gives you clearance on your knee. So you're not just pressurizing your knee right away, True. every step you take. So it's like, okay, well, stairs, a lot of people need to do them. Most people walking, people need to do it. So right there, you've got two things that like pretty much, you know, high, high percentage of the population needs to do every day. So that is a big reason why ankles are important. And, and I would link it upstream to usually the, the, the knees, right? Um, if you have knees that, that are, painful sore irritated arthritic whatever whatever's going on at the knees the two ways you can buffer that right away are getting your hips and ankles moving so ankles are one of the the downstream components yeah like having ankle mobility is essentially a buffer to allow your knee not to get overloaded Mm -hmm. right like if you're doing a shallow pistol every time you go downstairs whatever range you don't have at your ankle in terms of dorsiflexion bringing your knee over your toes is all of a sudden putting more load on your knee joint and i think that's you know everyone these days complains oh i got bad knees or i got grindy knees it's like well your your joints not designed to be overworked to the point where the cartilage wears down and you develop this osteoarthritic knee um you know the human body is designed to function very well and not break down for you know as kelly Strat says over like 110 years we're supposed to last mm-hmm. for so why are we wearing through 
all of our joints before we're 50, um, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think ankle hypomobility and its effects on everything upstream clears the air on, on why that might be happening. And then if you look at like, you know, even gym patterns like a, a squat, I would argue the squat is more than a gym pattern. It's actually more so of a human That's human a pattern. Life pattern. Um, but for example, there's always the argument. You see it on Instagram and, and all over the place. Like, can your knees travel over your, your toes? Yeah. Or right, And that's just like, okay, well, the caveat is, do your ankles move well? Because yeah. it's like, if you... That's if, a real question. Yeah. It's like, if you're... if you're Because everyone's debating, can your knees travel? Well, it's like, okay, how much ankle mobility do you have? Because if you have the appropriate ankle mobility, then yes, it's fine. Because then you're loading up your ankle. You're not loading your knee. Yeah. If you have zero or shit uh, ankle mobility, well, maybe that's not a good idea. Because you're probably, you know, forcing your knees... Um, you know, in the sagittal plane too far and, mm-hmm. and maybe overloading that, that knee, uh, you know, quad patellar tendon component way too much um, for lack of ankle mobility. So, again, it shows up in other things like that, lunges, squats. Yeah. Um, everybody who goes to the, to the gym wants to be able to do some of these things. So mm-hmm. it's going to help a lot of people if you just get that ankle range of motion back. So I think another good question is how do you know, you know, for people that are listening to this, how do you know if you have tight ankles? Um, well, number one, if you spend the bulk of your day with a shoe that's got a higher heel than forefoot, you can pretty much guarantee that you have some sort of restriction at your ankle. Mm-hmm. Um, a good test for ankle mobility uh, that I use in terms of just a functional test is a squat, a barefoot squat without your feet turning out, uh, spinning way out. There's obviously multiple reasons that you, that people have for not being able to do a squat. But what I see as a big one is if they feel like they're going to fall on their ass or they have trouble getting any depth, it usually means that they're doing a much more quad dominant squat. And I think a big factor for that is if your knees can't actually come forward and are, and, and you know, from your ankles being able to articulate, you reach basically a, a ceiling of how, you know, you reach a limit of how deep you can squat. A lot of times I find it's because of ankle mobility restrictions. Mm-hmm. It can be the software of your brain just not knowing how to do the squat pattern, and I think that's a big factor. Um, but if your ankles are never actually exposed to their end range on a regular basis, then why would you expect to have enough range to go down into a deep squat pattern? And I think you know, that's a good screen. If you want to use a screen to repeat and see if you're improving your ankle range, go and do a deep squat every day with your feet. You know, The foot position really doesn't have to be dwelled on too, too much. Just don't let your feet spin out or your heels lift off the floor. Mm-hmm. And every human should be able to do a barefoot deep squat as a, as a resting position, right? Maybe not to the depth that you would do if you loaded up that movement with a weight, but at least go down and be able to feel comfortable into a squat. And if you can't, which most people... Um, you know, most people listening to this won't be able to do that, but you have to start somewhere. So assess it, try it, see how it feels. And then um, the and test is always the intervention too. So yeah. it's like, if you can't do it, okay, well now how are you going to do it? Um, you can break things down more than that, but the end goal, once you can attain that squat would be to use it like every you day, say, just use it more, use it every day and yeah. expose your ankles to that. And then, uh, then the test becomes the intervention just by going there. Um, if you clean up your ankles to the point where you have a functional squat and you use that functional squat every day as just a routine, like make it as routine as brushing your teeth, you're not going to mysteriously lose the ability to go into that position, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't magically stiffen up overnight and not be able to do that position, but it takes work to be able to get there. And it's really not that complicated. It's fairly simple, but it's not easy, right? There's a difference between simple and easy. And I think you know, if you spent 30 years never going into a deep squat or exposing your ankles to that end range or wearing heeled footwear, it's going to take you some time to open up that area. Not 30 years, but definitely not a week. So I think people just need to be patient. And I think, 
a lot of people are working on their ankle mobility. They're not given the right direction on how to do it. So we'll talk about how, how to get on kind of a systematic approach to cleaning up your ankles. Um, but also just embrace the fact that improving is progress. It's not, you're not, don't expect perfect ankle mobility in two weeks. So this deep squat would be one way to test it. I think another, like clinically, I like using something to actually put a number on a on a paper yeah. ideally so, the so that would test. be more of like a needle wall test and yep. you know without going through the nuances of that uh, you can find that well uh, i think it's kind of important like we go through that in our seminar and we yeah. take a decent amount of time because i think a lot of people even clinically physical therapists or anyone using that test do it but they don't do it to a level that you you have to be extremely precise in in where you look for because people will cheat, right? People mm-hmm. are trying to show you that they have as much ankle mobility as possible, even if it means collapsing through the midfoot or collapsing through the arch of the foot. So yeah. very simple test. Make sure your knee is going over your third toe um, and don't let it collapse inward. And that's a pr- and then, you know, the knee to wall test in a nutshell is go up to a wall, lunge your lunge, put your foot down perpendicular to a wall. Make sure that your heel doesn't lift off the floor and lunge your knee forward over your third toe until your knee can just touch the wall without your heel lifting up and gradually move your foot further and further away until you can get a distance where your knee just just touches when it's tracking over your third toe and then you measure the distance from your toe to the wall and that's your starting point and what are you looking for you're looking for symmetry is your left similar to your right if you have a history of ankle sprains on one side or you have hip issues on one side expect that side to be less um and there's really no you know yeah you should have about 10 centimeters maybe more but there's no magical number that people should have you know gray cook says 35 degrees of ankle mobility is what you should be looking for and if you don't have that it's your biggest problem until you deal with it and i think that holds true just like we talked about before if you don't have that your knees pay the price you know it usually is an indicator of hip problems so um measure it quantify it whether it's with the knee to wall test or whether it's with even a barefoot squat and then reassess that over time that's your marker of improvement and i think measuring it in the loaded positions like those are two ways of actually measuring ankle mobility um when your body weight is going through your ankle and that would be distinguished from let's say using a goniometer and measuring somebody when they're on a on a treatment bed um (laughs) so you're not going to be able to you know, measure them as effectively because the ankle in, in essence really can only reach its end range when you, when you actually load it. And actually that's where it's most functionally seen. So you, you know, your ankle matters when you're going downstairs or walking, it doesn't matter, um, in an open chain when you're trying to pull your ankle towards you. So it's very, yeah. you know, the, the point is just load your ankle and yeah, see measure how far it under load, measure it under, measure load, under load and then test it in different positions under load so you can actually see not only how how is the ankle in isolation moving but how is it working with the rest of the body so the squat is another simple example of that again because it incorporates other things we've got to talk about hip mobility and all the other stuff like that but what is your ankles doing in this global pattern uh with the rest of the body as well so so let's talk about what you know we, we just talked about how so many people have locked up ankles and some of the consequences and how to measure it but let's talk about what actually causes ankles to get locked up because like I don't know about you, but when I see it in clinic, it's like at epidemic levels. I almost see zero functional angles, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are quicker to respond than others, but it's a big problem. So what are the main elements in terms of what creates the ankle um, mobility dysfunction? And I think two two of the big ones that we can elaborate on, number one is the footwear problem with every shoe. Every freaking shoe out there has a heel lift. Like it doesn't matter if it's a, obviously the biggest exaggeration of that is a woman's high heel, which has a massive elevated heel on it. But a guy's, guy's dress shoe isn't that much better. Uh, running shoes all have a heel lift because they're trying to wedge a, a huge amount of cushioning under the heel, which, you know, we'll cover the effect of footwear on running in, a, in a, another shop talk episode. But 
If you walk around on a ramp all day with your toes slightly pointed, you're getting you're negating any work that that you might be doing to open up your ankle. So you're almost just that's a disadvantage right there. So if you're if you're looking to improve ankle mobility, or if you have any issues around the foot and ankle, and I would argue upstream at the knee, then you're doing yourself a disservice just by walking around with the ramp, on a ramp. Yeah. So just like that is a, a quick and easy way to now. It, there's the argument that if you're used to walking around on ramps, let's say you're used to wearing high heels for eight hours a day in, mm-hmm. in, your, in your career and you've been doing that for 10 years. Um, you know, the question is, can you stand and be barefoot without those? Yeah. Right. And if the answer is yes, then I would argue that right away you can start spending more time barefooted. And if you can tolerate flats, because a lot of like a lot of the women who who wear high heels, I'll see them in clinic and they'll be like, well, no, like some days I wear flats and some days I wear heels. Mm-hmm. So, so they have a tolerance, they have a tolerance to be without be. that heel lift. Cause that's what everyone says is like, well, you know, you might want to ramp them down very slowly and you might have to, but a lot of times you don't, you need I to agree. just, just automatically. Now you, you at the caveat is you might have to get them working on it right away. And we and usually would too. So mm-hmm. making sure, you know, tissue working on tissue, calf yep. tissue, um, loading their ankles stuff like that but but just being flat will allow them to actually load their ankles quite a bit even in their walking like we talked about so just being flat it starts being a mobilization and it starts being the treatment in and of itself so the first step is just getting them out of those heels because why would you you know i like i i was treating a um i'm treating a police officer right now um and he's just and he's more of like a desk job police officer but he he's wearing these heels and we're treating directly a problem with his achilles and his ankle so it's like <laughs> he just keeps going back to that and i'm like have you and i keep trying to tell him and he, he's eventually he, he's starting to get the message so he's he's spending more time barefoot but he's just like i can't do it so we've showed him the options there's there's shoes that you can get and that's one of the the things is like we need people to be aware of options they have to be flat too yeah. right and one of it is be spend more time barefoot around the house and whenever you can but the other option is just look for a shoe with no heel on it and wear that to work something that you can wear to work something that you can wear to the gym you where can does wear your everyday shoe if you're going walking around shoe. like getting yeah. rid of the heel lift is you know if you think of the sequence whenever i treat people i think and this is from great cook too is protect correct develop okay mm-hmm. before you can tell someone how to correct a problem get rid of what's causing the problem in the first place because if yeah. you don't do that you make very slow progress if any so protect is just get rid of the shit that's limit that's making your ankles worse off and harder to open up so get rid of the heel lifts walk on a flat surface humans aren't built to walk around on ramps and there's consequences all the way up to connect chain in terms of the knees the hips and even the um the upper back that happen when you walk on a ramp but I won't go into too much detail about that but get rid of the heel lifted shoes at least make your regular day-to-day shoe that you spend the most time in um a shoe that's flat that's a good start like you said going from a regular heel lift to flat is actually a, a, the first mobilization that's the first step get rid of the cause of the ankle problem um but also just start mobilizing your ankle day to day when you're walking around standing all that kind of stuff i would say that another so so that's the healed footwear yeah i would say another issue is just global hip mobility issues from the sitting that primarily from the sitting that we all do yeah. so once people start getting robbed of hip extension which the sitting position directly starts to rob you of that if you're spending so much time in hip flexion then it's difficult to actually extend your hip 
yeah behind if, your body and if you can't extend your hip you can't access a lot of the important stabilizers and propulsion muscles in your posterior chain that help you move forward but also help give your your lower leg stability so if you mm-hmm. can't access stability from the right muscles a lot of other muscles now have to turn on and take on the role of a stabilizer that aren't designed for that and, and one almost, of them is the calf i think oh for sure because now if you can't get your hip behind you you can't let you can't ride out your ankle range of motion mm-hmm. Uh, and then naturally push off at your end range ankle and big toe where that's that's where propulsion is supposed to happen. So a lot of people are actually prematurely pushing off and prematurely propelling. Mm-hmm. And what that's doing is, and that's to make up for lack of hip extension. So so now they're having to use their, their foot in a premature way uh, and, and calf to actually shoot them forward in space along with their hamstring upstream. So so it's like, not only that, they're, they're actually using their, their calf way more than they should, and they're not letting their ankle ride out as much as they should because of their hip. So um, that, that global hip stiffness is going to trickle its way all the way downstream and start to affect the ankle as well. So if we break that down, stability and propulsion. If your, ankle, if your calf all of a sudden has to act as a stabilizer and constantly be turned on, it's going to get tight. So that's number one. If your calf has to do the work of your ass to propel you forward because your glutes can't push off when you're walking or squatting or, or running, um, then your hamstrings and your calf have to do that work, and they're not designed to take that load. Like your glutes are a massive powerhouse. If, if that's the primary engine uh, of your body and you're now using your secondary and tertiary engines to do the job of the primary and their own job, I think that's where, and this was like a massive revelation to me in terms of opening up ankles and, and, and doing it quicker, uh, was getting people to restore their hip in order to get rid of the ankle problem instead of just doing the old tissue work, capsular mobilization, spending time at end range, which have a place and they're important. But I realized that getting someone to spend five minutes on a balance beam after opening up some hip extension to offset their sitting oh, immediately melted away tons of calf tone and i was like mm-hmm. it didn't make sense to me initially and then i heard gray cook explain it um and and he said you know your hip may be what's driving your ankle tension and when he explained that and said you know get someone to walk back and forth on a two by four for five minutes and see what that does to the ankles i know in myself that was the biggest difference maker because i was working on my calf tissues you know stripping out all the calf muscles a couple minutes per side twice a day and I really and then spending time at end range and it was improving but it was improving slow when i started tuning my hip stability and ex- getting my hips extending even more um my ankles immediately opened up so that i could go into a deep squat position for like 10 minutes no problem and mm-hmm. so i think that's one thing that people aren't working on we get so caught up with doing the tissue work and the muscle resets we don't look upstream to the fact that the hip might be causing the problem so that's a that was a big one for me th- yeah and clinically like if you I've seen it so often and and the once you see something a pattern emerge more and more it's just pattern recognition at that point and it's like yep. the amount of people like my most recent one last week was a guy with uh he came in and uh Achilles Achilles issues and tight calves and like how long has this been going on uh 10 years on and off <laughs> those, are right? the, those are the craziest ones how has yeah. this not been dealt with for 10 years same thing and, and then then actually you get a little bit deeper and it's like yeah i have a, a series of torn hamstrings too it's like okay and he's like yeah i'm always tight in the hammies always tight in my calves i have yeah, to roll them all the time picture. okay and then it's like okay let's test your hip extension hitting a wall there's negative hip extension right <laughs> so that pattern i've seen emerge so many different times yeah. that that it's just like okay you need to get your ass involved you need to get your hips extending you need some help there because then you can ride out and let the other things just do their job and not have to overwork and not have to to prematurely propel you forward in space as you're walking running things like that and your body uses the mobility that you have so you Mm -hmm. can't you know if you open up an area and improve the hardware to the point where your hip joint can actually extend 
your body's going to, you know, with a little bit of consciousness, your body's going to use that in patterns like walking. And that's mm-hmm. what solidifies it and actually further improves it. You know, we talk about walking in the seminars being like an exercise, a skilled movement that you can work on. And it's so true. Like you can go for a 10 minute walk and blast open some hip extension and offset three or four hours of sitting if you know kind of how to how to be mindful and aware of what you're doing but yeah it's, it's even um, great for the ankles too crazy. like we said before just walking yeah. around if you're riding your hip and ankle out in the walking stride it's really really good for just opening up ankles like mm-hmm. 10 20 minutes of it so and when we say riding out basically what we're talking about is letting your foot be stuck on the ground for slightly longer so that it goes further behind you when you're walking so feeling you know that end range ankle um kind of position feeling the end range hip extension position and working into that repetitively you know walking is this crazy beautiful movement that i never had any respect for and never paid any attention uh, to before and now it's like that's my go-to for you know after you know, when we got back from China on that flight, my hips, I, I felt like I had nine-year-old hips. And just to walk through the airport, you probably look like a goof trying to really almost power walk and thrust through your hips. But after like two, three minutes of that, your hips are significantly different. There's mm-hmm. still work to do, but but you've opened them up to the point where your low back's not going to get destroyed by just trying to move around. So, And uh, on those two points, so we've got the, the footwear problem, the hip stiffness, hip yep. mo- lack of mobility problem. I mean, the, the the biggest thing is like those two things and other things prevent you from loading your ankles at end range. So I'd say mm-hmm. that's like the third thing is like lack of loading at end range. Yeah. So that, that shows up in multiple different areas, like in the walking pattern we just discussed. If you don't have the mobility to load your end range or if you don't have your hip extension, if something's preventing you from getting to end range, then you're not spending time at end range. If you're, yeah. not, if you're not exposing your body to a squat position, mm-hmm. um, if you're just not using that end range ankle on a regular basis, you're not going to have it. It's like the use it or lose it principle. So yep. I think people just don't use deep ankle positions anymore uh nearly as much as they should and then that's just you know it's like the cast effect if you're not putting something in a position you're you're just gonna wherever wherever the current position is and however you're currently using it you're gonna be stuck with that same exact position why would it change if you're not applying a stimulus for it to change Mm -hmm. so let's go through okay let's put this real simple for everyone listening if you have a pen and paper jot these brief notes down it's gonna be super brief but here's a here's an algorithm that we've been using um you know, kind of like this archetypal algorithm of, of how to restore ankles. So number one, before everything, um, protect. So get rid of the heeled footwear. Spend time either barefoot or in shoes with a zero drop. Um, every shoe that we have at tfcshop.com has a zero drop, and it's going to stay that way forever because there's no need to have a heel on your footwear. So number one, ditch the heeled footwear. Number two, address your hip. Okay, look at the hip and say, you know, if you spend over a couple hours a day sitting, which is super easy to do, right? Like most people sit for, when I actually go through with patients, how much sitting do you actually do? And I break it down. Okay, do you know that driving is sitting? Do you know that eating a meal at a meeting, at work, on the couch at the end of the day? Like this is all sitting at 90 degrees usually. And people underestimate how much they do. So if you're sitting a ton during the day and your hip is spent to 90 degrees, it really likes to be there. It doesn't let you get into that extension position. So address the hip dysfunction in terms of not being able to extend your hip. And then start to work right after you work on that. And there's some videos at tfcshop.com. One of them is the kneeling hip stretch that we prescribe to open up the front of the hip. Um, so work on extending your hip, then work on some stability work. So walk back and forth on a two by four on one of the TFC beams on anything that challenges you um, to, to just kind of move in a way that your feet are one in front of the other. And the only way that you can not fall off is by recruiting hip stabilizers. Um, so that's number two. And then 
make sure you're using those patterns. And then you're, you're, you know, another big one that I've been doing a lot more is spend time in end range. So load your ankle at its limit for five minutes a day. It doesn't have to be five minutes together. It can be broken up. But after you've ditched the heel lift, you've worked on your hip extension, you've worked on a bit of hip stability, spend time at your limit. Spend time at end range. And that can be going down into an assisted squat where you're holding on to something to stop you from falling back. But spend time at your limit. And I would say, like... To add on to that, choose a position. Like you said, the squat is a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, I do these like pistol variation positions too, but just choose a position, and that turns into the that test. So it's like if you can get into that position, if you can't get into the position, work towards getting that position. Yep. However, means necessary. And you then might the have test to becomes your maintenance. Yeah, basically. and then it's like, hey, if you can then get to that position, then just go into the position daily. And it's like, hey, if I can't get into that position today, or it feels really stiff because I haven't been working on it for a week. Well, we have some work to do, but if you just simply get in that position every day, that puts the desired joint at end range. In this case, it's the ankle. Then you're just, that's again, spending five minutes there, Mm -hmm. um, even spending a couple minutes there, but, but that's a, that's a good number. Just spend some time at end range or spend some time in this desired position to make it more specific. Yep. And the end range position can can change over time. And again, there's so many different ways you can actually work on your ankle. So we don't want to get too caught up in that. But it's like um, choose a position, work on it, spend time there. Yep. And we didn't mention tissue work, but it does have a place. You know, if you're if when you go down to the squat, you feel a ton of tension going through your Achilles or in your calf or they're just rock hard. Um, getting in there with a softball or lacrosse ball or however you want to do it, but getting in and doing some tissue work into the calf to reset, all you're doing is trying to open up a little neurological window where the muscle's a a bit less tight. Uh, And then take advantage of that by putting yourself at end range or working into a position. So it's all part of that kind of algorithm. Ditch the shoes that have a heel lift, work on your hip extension, work on your hip stability, reset some of the muscles around uh, like into the calf, and then spend time at end range. And really that's, you know, pick... Pick what you want to spend on your body every day. That's what I tell people. It's like, okay, how much time are you com- are you prepared to commit to working on your body? Because I'm not going to give you an hour's worth of exercises when you only want to spend 10 minutes. So, mm-hmm. okay, you want to start with 10 minutes? One, commit to doing it every day. Okay, you brush your teeth, you take a shower most days, every day <laughs> usually, um, because it's not an option. It's something. It's something you need to do, just like eating, just like drinking, just like going to the bathroom. Put this into that category and it gets done. And just give it an honest effort for two weeks is what I tell people. I'm like, don't believe me that this is going to be effective. Do it, screen it, test it, see if it works. If it does, keep going with it. And then I'll give you, you know, I'll give you a metric for where you want to work towards. And once you get to that position, once you get to a bodyweight squat, two fists widths apart without your heels lifting up or your feet spinning out, then you just have to use that every day. And then it becomes a lot easier because then we talked about the walking. If you're mindful about your patterns and you're using your range, Going down the flight of stairs is using your end range ankle. Walking yep. is using your end range ankle. Squatting is that. So everything yep. becomes that. So it's just like the harder part is actually achieving that, but we know how to achieve it. You just got to chip away at it and your yep. tissues will change and then you just got to use it. So then it becomes simple and that goes for every other joint in the body too. Exactly. Um, but yeah. And, and part of that is like the consciousness, the mindfulness of doing it, um, being aware of how you're actually doing these things. Cause that's where the software comes into play. Cause if you open up everything and then you actually go back to and revert to your, your old patterns, then, you know, you might be not taking advantage of that, mm-hmm. that new window of opportunity. So, it just take advantage of everything you gain by using it mindfully. And then the more you, more you use it mindfully, then you, have, you can become less mindful of it um, once that becomes your normal software pattern. So. And just think about how you're moving in general. I mean, the ankles are one part. And I think, like we said before, they're a very important part um, because a problem at your foundation is going to give you big-time problems upstream. But 
Think about how you're moving. No one thinks about their movement in terms of, okay, am I moving like I'm supposed to? Am I even thinking of what my different body parts are doing when I'm moving? And it's not to say that you have to do it all the time, but a big part of training, you know, we get so caught up in doing these zombie patterns in the gym, like going on the treadmill or Stairmaster or doing bench press or whatever it is, which there's nothing wrong with those movements, but that's really a small subset of movement, right? Like exercise, the way we think of it now, is a small subset of the massive pool of movement that we're designed to be able to do and we're designed to do on a regular basis in order to have a healthy body. So think about how you're moving, reframe how you think of simple things like walking, going downstairs, turn going downstairs into an ankle mobility exercise. And you, you know, I think some people, I've had some patients that are like, yeah, I actually thought about how I was going downstairs and I actually feel my ankles now. I actually can like work into my ankle mobility every time I do steps. So I purposely do steps certain parts of the day when I don't even have to, because I actually enjoy working on it. Yeah. And I think, um, it's one of those things like, you know, I'm sure you've had these moments with patients where they come in and they're, you say, okay, let's see what your squat looks like and say, well, I don't squat. It kills my knees. I say, oh, let's just see what it looks like. You see their squat and it doesn't surprise you at all that their knees hurt. And in five minutes of just teaching them how to think about their movement a bit more, they can squat without pain, mm-hmm. right? They can, it's not a pretty squat. Maybe it's not a perfect body weight squat, but it's a squat where they no longer have pain. And all you did was shift their brain to think about using their hip a bit more and knee a little bit less with simple cues. Um, and I think that really opens up people's eyes to say, oh, my God, this like I can actually work on this. I'm not doomed to having knee pain forever. Um, and, and, you know, we often tell patients we someone comes in with advanced osteoarthritic knees. We're not like I'm not a miracle worker. Like I'm not a wizard that can put a wand over your knee and fix it. We're not going to change your knee joint. What we're going to do is take away the reason the knee joint is breaking down, right? Change mm-hmm. how you're moving to use more of your hip, less of your knee. It stops the arthritis from progressing, hopefully. Um, but it also, more importantly, without changing someone's physiology, without changing that arthritic knee joint, you can get someone out of pain. And that's super sure. powerful. And not only, you know, we're not getting people out of pain, we're just guiding them on the way to get out of pain, right? Because, you know, I think you'd agree with me, the physio industry is riddled with people that are claiming to fix people and none of the onus is being given to the patient to say listen i'm going to educate you on optimal movement and how to work on your body but you need to do the work every day Mm -hmm. tell me how much time you want to spend on it i will give you the best stuff that i know to be effective and 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 just work on it that's the thing and in terms of like everyone's knees hurt these days like it's just an epidemic so (laughs) everyone's i wish the hip hurt a little bit when people's hips started to break down because everyone's hips are fucked up and their knees hurt and their feet hurt and their ankle ankles too like i would say the ankle is one of the silent i would say it's one of the silent killers right i agree or you don't get pain there a lot you don't get this the pain signals at the ankles themselves everyone's knees hurt no one feels hip pain and ankle pain. And again, that's just a generalization. A lot of mm-hmm. people do have issues around the hips. but um, And if you treat the symptoms, you, go, you get nowhere. You yeah. get temporary relief. So you've got to look at, again, those those root causes. And ankle is just one of the big components of, of helping people with those knee issues. Because then people turn it into like, I'm the person with bad knees. I can't do this and that. I can't yeah. go on my hikes anymore. Um, I can't even walk down the stairs. Like I want to take the elevator because I have bad knees. These are all things that are like, okay, we got to look at the big picture here because you're not the person with bad knees. You might just need to open up a couple windows up and down the stream with them, learn how to move a little bit differently, yep. and you can offload things. And that makes it – it's always a long-term game. I think I think in the long term, I don't think in the short term. So it's like – you know, you, everyone wants to get out of pain like now, and that's, Mm -hmm. that's good. And we can often get people out of pain pretty quickly, but really if you don't address those root causes, then what's your, what's your movement going to be like in 10 years from now? Um, are you going to be, if you keep going down the road, you're going on, are you going to be the person who, who 
limits what they do uh, when they're in their retirement ages and who can't do anything because they identify with having bad knees. Exactly. Or you're going to be the person who has started somewhere, worked on it, and then 10 years down the road, even 20 years down the road, you're in a whole different spot and you are doing many different things that you didn't think you'd be doing. Mm -hmm. And so just giving people a chance and then guiding them on the short term, but also giving them a, a view on the long term and why it's important in the grand scheme of things because yeah. what you do now is affecting things way down the road and that's an insanely powerful motivator right you, yeah. get, you people don't even know that it's possible for that to happen people don't know that it's possible that in 10 years you can feel 100 percent better and move 100 percent better than what you move like right now i think mm-hmm. people look at their body as having a, a best buy date of 50 yeah, and then after like that's a steep decline it's like well no your body changes <laughs> Expose it to the right stuff and it improves. No, exactly. Everyone thinks of their body is just like it. The, its best days are already gone, <laughs> right? And that's yes. like the grand. The, it's it's just an idea that you have to put. And it's like no, if you you can change your body, and again, in the end, we're all going to die. But you can change your body yeah. in the meantime, and you can just really optimize your your movement and your mechanics over a lifetime. Uh, and you can continue to practice moving better over a lifetime too. There's sure. no reason now your absolute strength might go down your sprint speed might go down, but you can keep becoming a better and better mover over time as long as you keep that hardware moving well. And that coming back to the ankle, the ankles are a big component of that. Um, and, you know, let's face it, even when you're in your 80s, 90s, like your ankle mobility matters. Like For your, sure. Your yeah, overall mobility. More. <laughs> yeah. Your overall mobility matters because even if you're just, you know, going on your daily walks or, or, le- or if you like to hike when you go on trips, like these are like little things that can make a huge difference in quality of life for, for anybody, but especially those people who want to keep active over a lifetime. And I would say that like looking at that long-term approach too, your ankle mobility issues that, that are starting now, if they keep going and they're affecting things like your quality of life is what really matters in the end. And if yeah. you in 30 years from now are not able to do these little, little things that make a huge difference in your quality of life, then, then that's an issue, right? That starts to affect your mind. It affects everything. And I would argue that it starts to, you know, it's one of the many aspects that would lead to things like, you know, honor, to be honest, dying earlier, right? For sure. Because, and having a shittier existence until the point, like, yeah, we should be, when people get older, when people, uh, you know, work their entire lives, and kind of push their bodies to the limit to earn enough money that they can, you know, quote unquote, retire. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone sits. Everyone sits when they retire. When they stop working, what do they do? They sit, they read, mm-hmm. they sit, they, you know, like people need to move. And I think that's a big reason why there's such a flood of uh, mental health problems. Like John Ratty's book about movement and mental function and, and how it affects the brain. If you don't move, your brain starts to wither away and shrivel up. For sure. And you need no, you know, when you're when you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 100s, because I think that's going to be more relevant. You know, people living into their hundreds is going to become more and more common through our lifestyles, through our lifetimes, rather. Um, it becomes more relevant. If you sit, you degenerate quicker, both in your body and your mind. And I think we need that's to a, change that tide of when you retire, you become more active. You move more. It's a chance yeah. for you. Your job is now prolong the life of this machine you have you only have one may as well make sure that it holds up what you want to do or lets you live the life you want to live for as long as possible and your brain that's the common thing with a lot of this like centenarians that you'll see so the people who live into their hundreds or beyond 
they the common theme is they they've kept moving yeah. and you you see stories on them all the time oh what's your secret oh not nothing i kept moving yeah right and along with that comes it's the so, diet it sounds the so diet, basic, uh, sleep true. and stuff like that but it's like the common theme is oh just just moved a lot i walk every day i'm out there i go for hikes and yeah that's what you need to do so if you're limited by trickling all the way back to your hardware if you're limited by your joint mobility if these arthritic changes that are starting to happen the way your actual joints and your mechanics and your physical vehicle works matters a lot because that's going to allow you in the future to to be able to use that vehicle. Yeah. And it's so it's like doing the oil, oil changes on the vehicle now, making sure the vehicle actually runs smoothly and works well and all the parts are working well matters a lot in the long term. I think that's the biggest message that we want to get along. Yep, I agree. All right, guys, we're going to wrap this up. Hopefully you guys benefited from understanding the ankles a little bit better. Fix your damn ankle problems. It matters. It's a huge mistake. It's a huge problem that so many people have. Start with changing your shoes, getting rid of the ramps that you're standing on. Get on a daily routine of working on things. Retest your positions. Um, And yeah, be motivated. Keep working at it. And we'll catch you guys at the next Shop Talk uh, episode. Thanks for listening.